this is ConnectCast from Spa Connect, helping medical spas learn about different ways to stay compliant and make the world a more beautiful place. Afraid or they shouldn't contact these people because they're the competition. Mm-hmm. Come on, people. <laughs> we, have, we have hundreds of thousands of spas across the nation. Hey everyone, welcome back to ConnectCast. This week I'm super excited. I had the amazing opportunity to interview the one and only Mike Chamut. He's got beauty and brains and right now he's actually writing a doctorate on the importance of follow-up consultations for patients. So pretty much what we do here at Spa Connect. He's teaming up with some big names in the aesthetic industry, and we're just so lucky to have him on our podcast. So stay tuned because this is a really good one. Thanks so much for taking the time out of your day to do this interview. I'm, I know you're busy, so I really appreciate the time. No worries, no worries. I'm glad. All right, so let's just go ahead and jump right into it. Um, my first question for you is just about the doctorate that you're writing. I know it's about um, policies and procedures. So can you tell us a little bit more about it? Sure. So I'm currently doing my uh, doctoral uh, uh, project in the nursing realm. Uh, part of the doctoral project is requiring a clinical um, a clinical change or a clinic, you know, some clinical intervention. So, you know, originally when I thought about it, uh, like most uh, people in the healthcare field were always thinking about diseases and diabetes. Um, I was focusing it on obesity and obesity in children and things like that. And as I thought more about it, I wanted to do something that I'm truly passionate about, which is very important when you're doing a year long uh, project. Uh, you, you definitely want it to be something that you're interested in. And being right. in the aesthetic realm, I decided, you know what, after speaking with the, uh, um, you know, the chair and the boards of uh, my university, uh, I told them, I was like, hey, you know what, after doing a little bit of research, there's actually very little research, very little evidence on anything related to aesthetic procedures, especially non-surgical aesthetic procedures. Um, which I currently perform and I've been mm-hmm. performing for the past three years. And, you know, I, I brought up the idea about, hey, you know, why don't we dig into more policies on these aesthetic procedures and things that focus on safety and safety of the patient and safety of the people providing these procedures, being that there's so many gray areas when it comes to such aesthetic procedures being performed by registered nurses, or whether you're a nurse practitioner, physician assistant, or even the physicians themselves sometimes find themselves in, um, in, an, in, an, in a time in an area where you know lawsuits are so prevalent. So, um, with my focus going back to your question is definitely going to be on um, particularly non-surgical aesthetic procedures that are performed in a medical facility such as a medical spa and what sort of changes or recommendations can there be implemented to improve safety of the overall uh, procedures and protect everybody involved including the patient and the provider. Yeah, uh, that's Awesome. And, you know, it's just, I completely agree. Like there's not a lot of topics out there that, you know, just really talk about the, you know, non-invasive aesthetic industry. So I think 
what you're writing about is super awesome and very necessary for this industry. And so then that actually takes me to my next question is, I mean, you talked about it and touched on it a little bit, but what inspired you to really research um, this topic? So my whole move, so I'm originally from Detroit. I moved to the LA area uh, here in California just over a year ago. One of the main reasons I made such drastic changes in my life and and moving um, here is for aesthetics, is my love for aesthetics. Um, Knowing that the demand for aesthetics is here, it was really between LA and Miami. Yeah, those are really big spots for that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this is where it's being done. And I've always loved the idea of moving to LA and just, uh, you know, my love for aesthetics really is what even drove me to pursue my uh, doctoral degree. Because I said, hey, if I can do something that I'm truly passionate about, which I am truly passionate about aesthetics, let me spend the next, you know, year and a half to almost two years of my life, um, really devoting to something that can make a drastic change and not only a change but really a support to the to the community of aesthetic providers Um, again whether you're a nurse or a physician it's really going to apply to anyone performing these procedures because we're all affected by it at the end of the day and seeing you know as i as i went through my training that first year and getting certified in all of these aesthetic procedures I was seeing things that were being done, you know, great. And, you know, you had and then you still had all these areas that were considered gray areas. And when asking professionals about, you know, such procedures or such outcomes, it's always the answer is always the same. Well, there's not enough research. These are things that, you know, I feel personally as a, you know, as as a doctorally prepared student and as a nurse practitioner, that safety should be at the forefront, but unfortunately, somehow these devices get pre-approved by the FDA, get put out on the market, and then guess what? Now we're finding out a year or two later after the procedures have been out there on the market, now we're seeing the complications, now we're seeing the research being done. Unfortunately, this is exactly how it's being done right now in the aesthetic realm. And some of them, when you look at the sample sizes of certain devices, they've only done on 100 to 200 individuals. Yeah, it's a really small number, yeah. Yeah, compared to the millions of people, absolutely. Yeah, and so, I mean, just going back to, you know, the safety of it all, I think it's super important. And that's where, like, we at Spa Connect, we just really try to help you know, medical spas and plastic surgeon clinics, you know, make sure that they are compliant with the medical board standards of care. And so when we are deciding any new treatments that we're going to add to our approval list, you know, we make sure we try to do as much research as we can to make sure like, okay, yes, we can approve for that. Or no, we're going to wait a few more years until we see, like you said, more research for, you know, that specific kind of treatment. So I think safety is a really big thing in this industry. And not that people dismiss it a lot, but I think it needs to be, like you said, just at the forefront and people's main priorities for safety and then um, any kind of treatment to follow after that. And so, Absolutely. yeah. And so my next question for you is, I mean, what have you just found so far in your research as far as, because I know you're trying to touch on, like I said, like the safety of everything. And so just what have you found for as far as like follow-up approvals and stuff like that? So... Um, 
based on the research right now that I'm currently conducting, and this is, you know, basing on things from American Med Spa Association, uh, literature that's available through the university portals, uh, through uh, peer-reviewed journals, mm-hmm. um, looking at the state boards, particularly as it pertains to the state of California, there is nothing essentially to mandate a... So we, we all know about the initial assessment, okay? And it's called the good faith exam, which mm-hmm. Spot Connect, you know, your uh, company is uh, providing right now mm-hmm. to uh, medical uh, spas uh, in the area and multi-states, which, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, I think is such a wonderful service because like you said, now we have a resource to reach out to as a medical spa, someone like yourself, an establishment like yourself that has actually done a little bit of research based on these different services before deciding like, hey, you know what? Yes, I'm going to approve it. Mm-hmm, you know, exactly. You, you, you got to have you got to have practitioners that are um, that are experienced in the different procedures to be able to give their adequate opinion. Wouldn't that make sense? But when you come from a legal perspective on, on some of the things that I'm trying to focus on to prevent issues for the spa and the physician and everyone else involved, the, the medical director who you're appointing cannot just be a piece of paper that says, hey, I have a medical director, here's his degree, here's my agreement with the medical director. Yeah, the medical director that's actually performing a medical clearance when, whether they're doing it via FaceTime or video conference, whether they're doing it in person, the medical director, a lot of the time, has no idea what the machine is, what are the possible complications. And so these are some of the things that we're seeing. But going back to the main focus on the doctoral project is actually going to be, um, and it hasn't, you know, I'm still fine-tuning it, but it's going to be revolved around, should there be a mandated assessment every single time a patient is being seen uh, for any uh, aesthetic procedure? So you come in as a client to me, And I, as the nurse practitioner, um, clear you for, you know, these these aesthetic procedures. And I do the good faith exam, which is the first initial assessment. And I see, oh, great, you haven't been taking these medications. You don't have allergies to these things. You're staying away from the sun. Wonderful. So what's happening is we're performing these these medical clearances and then for registered nurses to perform the procedures you come back three months from now now you're seeing one of the nurses that are under my supervision and the nurse goes to perform your botox or fillers or other laser procedures and guess what's happening 90 percent of the time they are not re-reviewing i would call it mm-hmm. your your medical history what if you developed an allergy to the topical lidocaine, for example, or a numbing cream last week or mm-hmm. last month? What has changed from the last time we've seen this particular client to now? Yeah, what, exactly. You know, what, what is to say that you didn't have a surgery on your eye three months ago and I cleared, and, and, and when the nurse looks at the file, it says, well, it was cleared here by Mike Shamut, the nurse practitioner, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, eight months ago. So it's so crucial that a reevaluation is being done every single time. The, you know, this whole 
doing one medical clearance for me is just that that's what's really bothering me from a safety perspective because let's let's be honest with ourselves it's only common sense tells us that so many things can change from day to day exactly whether yeah. uh, whether it's at the spa or at an urgent care you know that i run also full time you know who's to say that things are not changing between that time so this is very important yeah and with our services like our approvals last for up to a year but we, mm-hmm. we just recommend that our clients, when they do send their patients to us, that they treat the patient within like a three to four month window just so that they have the most updated approval. So it's like, yes, the approval lasts for one year. So if they came in today on February 19th and they wow. didn't get treated until February 16th, 2021, the approval would still be valid. But there are so many different things that could have happened to that individual in a year time mm-hmm. span, you know? So it, I, I, I completely understand and agree with where you're coming from. Like follow-up consultations are super important. It might be a little bit more costly for medical spas and plastic surgeon clinics to, you know, look into stuff like that. But ultimately it's just covering your butt, you know, and just right. making sure and that the patient is a good candidate for the treatment that they want to get. Absolutely. And not only that, it's actually what I'm proposing is not that you get a medical clearance every single time from a nurse practitioner or a physician, mm-hmm. that nurses themselves are should be obligated to reassess that individual, create so what I'm gonna create is a is a little template of a one pager, and I'll I'll send it to you guys once I have it uh, fully done. It's yeah. gonna be a it's gonna be a one pager that will reevaluate being it's a quick evaluation by the nurse that'll ask has there been any changes since the last time we saw you have you had any changes in your medications have you had any surgical procedures or procedures on your face somewhere else mm-hmm. how do you know you know although they're coming to you what if they had a chemical peel last week at joe schmo spa and now they're coming to you for you know another service so yeah it's it, it'll be a quick reevaluation a little one pager really for the patient to fill out mm-hmm. you know so yeah. and then and then they show it to the nurse it just takes 30 seconds just a quick 30 second glance that could prevent so much catastrophic issues for the patient and for the licensure of that nurse and that medical spot that's really what i'm trying to do yeah exactly and so you kind of even touched about it touched a little bit about it just right now, but what do you think nurses, both RNs and NPs should be doing about those follow-up consultations? Do you think it should be like more on them to just kind of reassess that patient or Mm -hmm. like, you know, what are your thoughts on all that? Yes. So being, you know, I I was a nurse for five years before doing my NP and NP for three years, uh, total about eight years in in the healthcare field. Now, I think that and I truly believe that nurses have their own license. So at the end of the day, they're performing this procedure. They know that every time they touch a patient, they're putting their license at risk. It's simple as that. Whether they're a nurse or NP or PA or physician, you are putting your license at risk. Just because you have a medical clearance from a physician to perform such procedures, like we were talking about, and this patient comes back three months after the clearance, does not mean that you as a nurse, and most of them are probably doing it. Here's the true fact. Most of them are probably 
reevaluating, like, hey, how you doing? Okay, good. We're here to do microneedling today. What have you been doing? What medications have you been taking? Have you been doing anything different with your skin? And verbally, they're doing it. But what I'm trying to recommend is that they get it done on a little one pager and mm. write it down. Because when it comes to an audit or a medical board or osteopathic board or the aesthetic board comes to your establishment, your organization to review those files and they don't see something in paper in front of them, that means you didn't do it. You could talk about, oh, well, we do it. We have a standard. We, we do it on every single patient. We, we verbally ask the patient. At the end of the day, we know, we know better. If it's not written down, it wasn't done. And yes, I do hold the nurses accountable. And hey, when in doubt, and I have nurses at the spa that do this right now that are my colleagues, and I mm -hmm. tell them that if you are not sure, if you see a lesion on the skin that wasn't there the time before, and, and, and we had this happen actually, believe it or not, it just happened a few weeks ago. This is a perfect example. The patient was already cleared. A uh, patient went in to do a uh, laser treatment, and a, uh, I think they were doing fillers as well. Mm -hmm. uh, regardless, the nurse actually called me on FaceTime and said, hey, Mike, I know this patient is cleared by you. You know, I see the notes here, but she has a little concerning lesion on the middle of her nose, and we're about to do a laser treatment. I said, let me take a look at it. And just by looking at it on FaceTime, on video, I was able to assess and said, no, don't touch this patient, send them to derm. I don't like the way this lesion looks and let's reevaluate and let's see what derm says. Yeah. Long story short, the patient went, the patient comes back two months later because I hadn't seen the patient. Actually, she came back on a day where I was there and she says, she gives me a big, huge hug. <laughs> and she said, I said, whoa, what's going on? Uh, she's like, it's you. I saw you on the, on the FaceTime, on the video. I was like, yes, it's Mike. You know, I, I, I cleared you for the procedure and uh, I, I had sent you to Durham. What happened? She says, look, it was cancerous and I had it removed. And now my derm has cleared me. You know, this was a couple months mm -hmm. later. And, you know, I, I go back for monthly checkups now because of this. And now they're doing a full body scan on me. So look at this particular example that turns out to be a cancerous lesion. Thankfully, she got it removed. It wasn't, you know, it was just a little lesion on her nose. Mm -hmm. But now I've opened the door for her to get her whole body checked by derm once a month because she was a high-risk patient. Oh, my so gosh. So great. Yeah. But again, great job on the nurse. Because although <laughs> yeah, I for noticing her, that, you know, yeah. For noticing that and taking into account, like, hey, you know what? Before I touch this patient, let me call, you know, let me go to the next step up and go to the MP or PA mm -hmm. and see what they think. And this is an exact, a perfect example of why these things should be done. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like that, that's an amazing story. And that's one that I think that a lot of people can also relate to, you know, like I'm, I'm sure there are other people out there in this industry that have noticed something a little different and then they, you know, took it to, you know, a mid-level like NP or PA and, you know, they decide not to clear that patient and they were able to like essentially help them in the greater long run. And so my next question for you, and this is the last question, but do you think there are better ways or alternative ways to make sure that patients are getting approved or just, you know, being looked at and evaluated for the, their desired treatments? 
Absolutely. So, you know, FaceTime uh, consults and a service like Spot Connect is, is uh, I think, absolutely essential uh, because at the end of the day, as long as they are being seen and really 99% of the time, a FaceTime consult for me personally, and I do them for the spa that I work at, is, is, is very reasonable because at the most of the time, you're just looking at the face. We're doing a lot of facial facials procedures. So it can be seen on, on camera and they are sending the file to my phone. So I'm able to review the medical history right before I contact the patient. And then I reiterate, you know, so sometimes the patient, what if the patient made a mistake on, you know, do you take any blood thinners? Do you take any, you know, things like that? And while we go through that questionnaire. So I think the the available technology that we have right now is absolutely great. I think that we should take advantage of more um, than, you know, doing one assessment in one year, which is what I'm pushing for right now at the spa that I work at. I think one year is a little too long. I think in one year, a lot of changes can happen. And really leaving the power and judgment up to that nurse or whoever is providing the procedure whether they feel they really need a consult again. And giving that power to the nurse is what's important here. Because if you don't give that authority to the nurse as a med spa owner that's trying to, whether you know, you're know you trying to cut cost, oh, hey, it's gonna be an additional cost if you call, please only call if it's really, really important. Like, let's be honest here. The nurse is not just going to call just for the heck of it. You know, mm -hmm. they are going to call because they see a concern. So educating the nursing staff about different complications, having a medical director that's really on top of their game with policies and procedures, with monthly meetings, whether it's quarterly meetings, whatever it may be, but just leaving the staff do whatever they want because a medical clearance was done, I think is not, is not the safest way to practice. Mm -hmm. Second is take advantage of the reps for these machines that, you know, that are, you're providing at the office, have them come in and do in services at your office. Um, you know, contact a company like, like yourself, like Spot Connect and have, you know, a consultation with them about, what they are doing and what they're seeing speak to other medical spots be oh, a lot of people are really nice i'm on instagram i you know i i contact and i'm i'm going to start doing like instagram live videos but mm -hmm. i contacted you know some of the top people in this industry on instagram and a lot of people are like feel like they're afraid or they shouldn't contact these people because they're the competition Mm -hmm. Come on, people. We have, <laughs> we have hundreds of thousands of spas across the nation. Right. You know, uh, no one is your competition, I feel, when it comes to this. You find your niche. People are going to come. They're going to come for you. They're going to come for the trust that they develop with you. And, yeah. you know, it's, it's really not a competition. So if I think people get that, get into the mindset of thinking of helping each other grow, helping each other with ideas. So I did a little test the other day mm -hmm. and I sent a little template uh, message to some of the top injectors in the nation mm -hmm. and uh, some of the top spas in the nation. I sent it to 20 okay. of some of the people that I follow. 14 out of the 20 replied with, 
we would love to do an IG live with you. Mm -hmm. I think this, I think what you're doing is great. Hence, you were one of them, uh, <laughs> you know, and I thank you for reaching out because yeah. you found that, you know what, this guy is really interested in helping others. This guy is really focusing on a little niche that not a, not a lot of people are really focusing on safety when it comes to aesthetic procedures. Yeah, exactly. And, and like, you um, reached out and we connected. We said, hey, yes, let's do a little podcast. Yeah, Great. absolutely. And and that's I'm so glad you brought that up, the whole competition side of things. Here's the thing. There are millions of people in the country that want aesthetic treatments. And yeah. so they have, you know, different options and spas to choose from so it's really not a competitive field you just have to think of it as like just you know a really big field where we can all support each other because I mean like you Absolutely. doing this research and um like you know those injectors and medical spas that you reached out to and are willing to do IG um TV like live videos you know stuff like that that's what this industry I think is really all about just as far mm -hmm. as you know, you know, supporting each other and having each other's back because ultimately, like, we all love the aesthetic industry. We all love, you know, helping our patients, you know, just feel more confident. And so there's that underlying theme with everyone, like I said, in this industry. And I think it's important to just know that it's, there's really no competitors. There's just different. Absolutely spots, agree know? with you. Absolutely. Yeah. And as, as you educate and as I progress in this uh, doctoral degree, and as I continue to post more videos, more tutorials, more procedures, more videos, guess what's going to happen? I am going to benefit from that because I'm going to benefit from the following. Mm -hmm. I'm going to benefit from the people that are following me and that are sharing my videos. I'm going to benefit by putting my name out there. So hence, I become more popular helping other people yeah. do <laughs> what I do. And so it, it's really a full, it comes full circle. You yeah, know, absolutely. so I I thank you so much for uh, contacting me and for taking the time to uh, discuss uh, the aesthetic realm and to discuss uh, my doctoral research. And I'm sure we will be doing more podcasts in the future. Oh, as I yeah, develop absolutely. More more yeah. Thanks again for just taking the time. I was super excited that one of our NPs sent me your page and just, you know, told me that you were, you know, writing this doctorate project and stuff. So Super glad we got to connect because I think what you're researching and what you're trying to, you know, just educate people about is really important in this industry. So thank you to you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for having me. I told you this was going to be a really good one. I think what Mike has to say and what he's researching right now is, like I said before, just really important in this industry and that, you know, there's not a lot of research about his topics and reevaluating patients and, you know, things like that. So I think it's really important, all the work that he's doing. And even more so at the very end when he and I were just talking about supporting each other, other injectors, other medical spas and clinics and whatnot. I think that is really the most important thing to take away is that if we start looking at each other as, you know, family and, you know, we're just supporting everyone and, you know, wishing them all the best and educating them on different, you know, laws and things like that, I think it'll really just help this industry a lot more rather than thinking of everyone else as a competitor, like, oh, well, they're my competitor, they're another spa in my city. Just think of everyone as 
you know, family and support each other so that way we can all grow with each other and maybe even start to see some, you know, financial benefits from all that. So thanks again for tuning in, everyone. I hope you all enjoyed this podcast. I know I really did. You can give Mike a follow on Instagram. His handle is at Mike Chamoot, and that is spelled M-I-K-E-C-H-A-M-M-O-U-T on Instagram. Posts a lot of great videos and content on there, so give him a follow. He's actually starting his own podcast. I don't know what the name of it is, but just follow him on Instagram, and I'm sure he'll talk about it then. All right, see you guys next time.